Holy Spirit, you have the power to change it in the minds and the hearts of people. That it falls in the place where you want it to fall. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Hi, but he takes what on the class and you buy good and English with you. I've got to do it in English because that's what I think, and it's uh, I know always greets me as the Englishman. But I'm born Afrikaans. My mom was English, my dad was Afrikaans. I went I went to Afrikaans school from grade one. I couldn't speak a word of Afrikaans when I went into grade one. And uh, but I had a beautiful teacher called I think Trudy was her name. Where's Suzanne? Same with you. Say Yeah, that was sweet. Beautiful teacher. I was madly in love with her. But aren't great ones madly in love with their teachers? Hmm? Yeah, man, we're all madly in love with our teachers. I was madly in love. She was a beautiful teacher, young, not old. Just after that, I had, oh, no, I won't say. Great, standard one was quite a, quite a difficult one. But, um, and through her, I started doing Afrikaans and speaking Afrikaans. And up to when I went into, into varsity, I was fluent in Afrikaans. And then I met Alwyn, and I became fluent in English again, hopefully. But she couldn't understand a word of Afrikaans. So when I said to her, she said, she said to me, I love you. And I said, what's, what's, what's love? And I said, for, I don't know if love is for you. So she said, I don't know if love is for you. I don't know if love is for you. I don't <laughs> yeah, long, long stories about it. But I want to I speak to us about, about I, I want to speak to us and take something out of Hebrews, Hebrews 2, 12, 1 to 11, and I'll tell you when to put it up, not now yet. And, and I, I want to bring something out of it for us that I think is very important in, in our lives today. Um, we know that Hebrews was... We don't know who wrote Hebrews. There's a, peop there's a lot of people that say Hebrews was written by Paul. Others say no, it was written by um, Barnabas or Apollos. And then there's a, there's a lot of scholars that says no one knows who wrote Hebrews. But God knows. God knows who wrote Hebrews. So we don't, we don't need to know who wrote it. Because in 2 Timothy 3.16 it says... All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, or correction, and for training in righteousness. Isn't that right? This whole word from Genesis 1 to the end of, of Revelation is God. And that's what we hold on to. And that's where we that's where we get our teachings out. That is where we, we come into the Word. That's where we, where we get corrected. That's where we train. That brings us into righteousness with God. His Word. His Word. Now, in, in, in Hebrews 11, um, let's, let's go a little bit back. 
Hebrews was written about 70 AD. And it was written out of Rome or from Rome to the Christians in Rome. Now we know at that, at that stage of, of, of life, most of the Christians were Jewish. That fled out of, out of, uh, out of Jerusalem and they, and they were dispersed. Now this letter was written to the Jewish Christians that were being persecuted and they were in despair at that moment because they were expecting Jesus Christ to come. Everybody was expecting Jesus Christ to come. We expecting Jesus Christ to come. Any moment. The word says he will come like a thief in the night. We do not know the time. So we are living in expectation of Jesus Christ coming as well. And when persecution comes and these things come, it's going to be in a place where we're going to ask, come Jesus, come. Come. And they were in that place. And they started thinking of reverting back to Judaism, going back to the old. And then this letter came and said, no, no. In chapter 11, we can call the Hebrews letter better if there's a big uh, name that we can put onto it. It's called better. Because it's, it's all about faith. It's describing Christ and the benefits of the gospel. It's better now in Christ than it would be or will be when you even try to go back to, to your old times. It is better now. For us as Christians, even in, in the place where we're struggling, it is better now than it was yesterday. And we can look at at the circumstances of those Jews and bring it back to today. Because they had their problems for, their, for those time, times. We've got our problems for our times. Hebrews is all about faith. Faith in Christ. Chapter 11, it's about the cloud of witnesses that came before us. We sang a song just now that says we build on, on those witnesses. It's all about faith. And the last, in the last two verses of, 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 uh, of chapter 11, it says the patriarchs of the Old Testament running in their faith for a promise that they have not received. They were so determined, so focused on something that they knew there was a promise coming. Their running was for that promise that was coming. Enduring. And to the Jews of those times and to us that have received that promise is to run the race with endurance that is set before us. Together with the saints, the witnesses from the Old Testament, to make the body of Christ complete. Chapter 11 ends with keep, keeping, keeping on. And I want to look at chapter 12 then and take from chapter 11 as this keeping, keeping on. What is it that we need to keep, keeping on? And the title 
comes from verse 1 out of chapter 12. Let us, and I want to bring it closer to all of us, let me run with endurance the race that is set before me, that is set before us. This is the title. Let's let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And out of this whole text that we're going to look at and that we're going to go through is, is to ask ourselves, what is this race? Who marked this race? And when do we run this race? And then out of that whole picture to try and get, how do we do it? It is easy to say we've got to run a race. We do it if we don't know what the race is. And if we're in this race, how do we do it? When all these obstacles come that they had to deal with. The first question that comes out of this whole Hebrews 12 is what is the race that is marked? Now, it is so beautiful in the, in the, in the word that when Jesus spoke his parables, it was about things that people could understand. He used the daily things of life to explain and to try and get over to them what he, want, what he, what he, what he wanted. And here the, the author of Hebrews uses the picture and he demonstrates it through a race. Something that we're all familiar with. If you can picture yourself in a, in a dome, we all look at people running. We all look at people doing marathons. We all know the comrades, one of the longest distances in South Africa. So everything is based on a race. And he's trying to, to bring us back to this place of let us run this race that is set before us. So this race is a race that's got a starting time. And the starting time for this race is not the day that you are born. You see, the world has got a race that has got nothing to do with us. Our race starts on the day that we give our lives to Jesus Christ. When we are reborn, our race then starts. And we're all in different starting times. We're all running a, a big race. We're all running towards something that God has got for us. A course that He set out for us. A course that He set out for His church. We're running in the big picture of what God has got for us. This congregation is running in a and a smaller picture of what God has got for this congregation, then each one of us is running a race, what God has got for us, for the congregation, for His bigger picture. And the thing that I can bring you back to, is how the starting times work with us, is that not each one of us got the same starting time. We write the Argus. The Argus has got a starting point, and it's got an end point. But we all start in different times. And I know that when I start at, at 8 o'clock, there's guys that's going to start at 9 o'clock that's going to pass me. Because I like to stop at certain places to get food. 
and there's guys younger than I that do not need that food, and they just carry on. But we all got different races to race in our lives. And my race and your race is not the same race. I can't compare myself to someone else that started behind me and thinking he's now passing me and now I'm trying to chase him. I'm going to work myself to death. I did it on this August. I'll come to it. But we've all got to run the race that is set before us, that God has got for each one of us, so that each racer that race brings into the bigger picture the church and into the bigger picture Christ. We run for one, for one goal, but each one on his own. There's a finish line. The August starts in Cape Town at the hall, and it ends at the other side, 80 kilometers, 110 kilometers. There's a finish line. Each one of us gets to that finish line on our time. Yes, we race the race for the time period. Our race will end the day that we die. Or if Jesus comes before that. That's when our race will end. It is not a sprint. Our race is not a sprint. It's an endurance race. It's a marathon. It's a comrade. It's not a race of paste. We are all in different stages of our race. Paul says, therefore I do not run like a person that is uncertain or boxing in the wind. I run with certainty. I know that I've got to pace myself out for this race that God has set before me. And at the end, close to his death, he says, I have finished my course. I have finished my course. Not your course. Not the church's course. I have finished my course. I have run the race. I have run the race. The second question we're going to go to is, who marked the race for us? This race that we enter the day that we are reborn, the, when conception takes place in our rebirth, when the Holy Spirit comes into us, the Holy Spirit makes place on us, and we accept Jesus Christ as our King and our glory. He's King of kings and He's, and He's Lord of lords over us. He's our Savior, that we cannot live without Him. At that moment when we make that choice for Jesus Christ, that He has died on the cross for me, that He's given His life for me, at that time, my race starts. And at that time, the course set by God. He sets the course. He sets the race for us. He sets the rules. We all run the same race. We're all in the same general command of, of race. But we're running our own race. Each one of has got his own race. My race will not look the same as your race. I've got my obstacles. You will have your obstacles. You will, down the road, there will come times that, that you're going to be tired. There are going to come times that you, that you need refreshment. 
but I've, I've got a race to run. In the August, 20Ks before the end, I thought my race of the August stopped. So many people before the end is going to feel that their race has stopped. Because suddenly I had no power. Suddenly I was dizzy. Suddenly I passed out. I was lucky that the ambulance was next to me. And I could recover. You see, when our race comes, we're going we're gonna to get to a place where we are tired. We're going to get to a place where we think we cannot carry on. So many people that just before the end of their race, race they stop. Because there's no power anymore. And the nice thing is, after I rested, got some food in my body, my body cramping, got on the bike and went downhill. Couldn't sit, could only stand. But I knew that there at the, at the end will be a place where I could just get to a place where I could be massaged and get some food and get some something into my body. We know that when we come into a place in our race where we feel we cannot, get, we cannot carry on, there is no place to carry on. There's Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. There's the Word of God. That's when we come and we stop. And we take and we fill ourselves again with His Word, with His power. We can get onto our bikes with this body that is beaten and run the race to complete it. When do we run this race? We run this race in the present moment. We run it now. Each one of us sitting here, I believe, is reborn. I believe has given their lives to Christ. So our race at this moment is going on. Our race has already started. We're running a race that we are looking forward to the promise of what God is giving us. We are running a race that we know that there will be an end time. We're somewhere in between the start and the finish. We're running that race. We are born, I believe, for a time like this. As the old patriarchs were born for a time like that. When Paul was born, when Moses was born, when David was born, they were born for a time in their race. We are born for a time in our race. We have got other obstacles that they had. They had obstacles that we haven't had. And God created us. For this moment. We are in interesting times. In very, very interesting times. We are in times that has never been before. I don't know if you know about the Overton window. Or the Overton period. Or the Overton process, what they call it. I don't know if you heard about it. I didn't know about it till yesterday. We just think, you see, you see, Satan works so subtly. He gives things names. 
Everything is called, we are, I think, in a Y generation or an X generation or an X, X generation. I don't know where we are because my kids just tell me we are, we are this generation. I've got no idea. I know I'm born in 56. That's all I know. I'm an old generation. But we are so-called in the Overton window period and God has put us in this place in this period. Now this Overton period, let me just tell you in short what it means. What was unthinkable a generation ago has now become normal. It is a powerful technique to change or shape our thinking, our laws, our life, and our future by manipulating the public's perception so that ideas previously thought as radical becomes acceptable over time. The unimaginable is becoming normal, and if you do not accept it, persecution, outlawing, being an outcast is the norm or will become the norm. Isn't that happening daily? Isn't that what we're seeing in our, in our life now? You see, it's happening now. Gay rights and marriages is the norm. Gender classification becomes law. There is a huge shift in movement towards what was unthinkable 10 years ago. Creeping into our churches by indoctrination, by called the Overton window. And you see, what we thought was unbiblical is starting to creep in to become more like the world. And churches are embracing it. And we've got to fight it. We are in this period of time where we are going to become the outcast. We are going to become the persecuted because the smaller minority is looking at us and saying, where's your love for people? Where's your love for what, what is in this world? There's a country like Uganda that is just at this moment made law that no homosexuality will be in their country. Years ago, sanctions were put against us for apartheid. Now sanctions are being put against them for running biblical principles. Because the world is changing. And we as a church, we as a person, is put in this place for these times. Our race is an obstacle course. And these are the obstacles that we have got to overcome. You see, we're not running an 800 meter dash or a kilometer dash or a, foot or a 42 kilometers road race. We're running an obstacle course. And these obstacles are put in our place. We have got to overcome these obstacles. How do we do it? How is it possible 
to run this race. There's four points. I'm going to go through them quickly. Now, we're going to start with, uh, what's it called, Hebrews 12. We're going to start in, in verse 1, 2, and 3, and 4. I think you, if you can get them on, the, on, the, on for me, please. Well, let's take verse 1 first. Chapter 11 starts with faith as substance of things hoped for. And in the last two verses, it ends with, they obtained a good testimony of faith and did not receive the promise God have provided, that, that they have not received the promise. God having provided something better for us. Now, they obtained a good testimony as the old patriarchs, the, the, the cloud of witnesses in the Old Testament and the cloud of witnesses before us. They obtained a good testimony of faith and did not receive the promise, the promise of Jesus Christ. They knew about the coming. They didn't receive it. God having provided something better for us, that is us in this time, we have seen the promise that God has given, Jesus Christ on the cross, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Their race and our race is together. What they have done and what we are doing, the one isn't better than the other one. We are running a race all for the glory of God. And that's what we're running for. So how do we run this race? One of the things that we've got to do is to remember the faith of the great cloud of witnesses. Picture yourself. We're in a stadium and we're running. And you know that the stadium is, we're running this, this race and it's in, let's look at it in a, it's in a circle or we can look at it straight, all these. And there's people sitting in the stands. This cloud of witnesses sitting in the stands. And as we run, and as we run, and we get tired, and we feel that we, at the end, we hear, we hear the voices of them. We hear the voices of those that has come before us, shouting and screaming and, and, and encouraging us to say, keep on, endure, persevere, keep on, keep on running. They are the cloud of witnesses that we look to. They are the cloud of witnesses that came before us, running the same race that we're running, with their obstacles encouraging us to run, to run, to run. In verse 1 it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, they are looking and watching us. I think they are worshipping God but in spirit they are watching us, encouraging us. Let's look at the Davids. Let's look at the Moseses. Let's look at the Josephs. Let's look at Isaiah. Let's look at, the, at Samson. Let's look at those guys. Let, in the word, let who they were and what they've done for us and the races that they've run, take encouragement from it. They're the cloud of witnesses 
that is there for us. We sang this song just now. Be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. Be enthroned upon the praises. Praising us. Keep on keeping. Run your race. Run it with endurance. We did it. We have done it. We are there. Encouraging us. Encouraging us. On the August, when you're tired, when I sat there, it was my 8th August, and I sat there and a guy came to me and said, what's wrong? I said, I, I don't know. I can't stand up. I'm, I'm flat. And all he did is he brought me a, what's that purple drink or that blue drink that you drink? Energate or power aid or something brought me. So I took, take a sip of this. He said, it's mine, but take a sip. I didn't care if he had in his mouth or wine. I took a sip. But all he, all he did is he said, looked at his watch. He says, you still got two hours before, three hours before the cutoff. Rest. Rest. Encouraging me. Just rest. You'll make it. Isn't that what the, the cloud of witnesses do? We're running. We're running the race. And all they're saying to us, look in the word, they're saying to us, we did it. We had our problems. I looked at a, at a, at a, at a lady on a, on a roof. I had my problems. I got someone to cut my hair. I had my problems. I came to a place where I said, God, I'm the only one here. He said, no, there's 144. I've had my problems. They say, run your race. My question that I've asked myself when I went through this is, are we, am I, going to be part of the cloud of witnesses one day? Well, my kids, I don't know what they're going to put on my gravestone. But will they one day stand here and say, my, God, my dad ran his race. And my dad encouraged me, keep, keep on. Keep on, keep on, keep on going. Is that what they will say to me one day? I hope so. I pray that, God, that my life will be an encouragement for my kids to run their race one day. To keep on going. To keep on going. Here's a lot of you with young kids. What is your example for them? Are we just a generation that's going to give up? Are we a generation that just not willing to, to sacrifice? That the outside life is much nicer and much easier and I'll come to church whenever I just feel like it? My kids come and sit with me in church or they play outside? Well, my kid one day say, he ran his race. And I'm encouraged by what he's done. Because I know he's going to come from heaven. He's going to, wherever he is, he's going to say, my daughter, Amy, Shanae, run your race. It's not for us. I'm running this race not for myself. I'm running it for the promise that is put before me. 
The promise of Jesus Christ that died on the cross for me. That's what I'm running for. That one day when I lay my head down and whenever he comes fetch me, he'll say to me, my, my son, I love you. My son, be with me for eternity. That's what I'm running for. What would you want to leave behind? The second one is, it's going to be a little bit longer. Tell me if I stop. Throwing off everything that hinders. Throwing off everything that hinders. Verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run. Guys, get rid of the things. Get rid of the things that are stopping you. Get rid of those little things that are, that are weighing you down. A guy that runs the marathon or the comrades with boots and with a suit and with a backpack, he's stupid. You see, there are guys that do it. They do it for the fun. But we're not running for the fun. We're running for Jesus Christ. We're running for Jesus Christ. Get rid of those things that are bogging you down. That are stopping you from being in the Word. That are stopping you from having a relationship with Christ. Facebook. There's nothing wrong with Facebook. There's nothing wrong with Twitter. There's nothing wrong with I don't know with what. With TV. But if those things are in your way of having a relationship with God and running your race, get rid of it. Put it aside. Put it aside. Come on. You can't say to me that I can't get up in the morning and have quiet time, but I will spend two or three hours in the, in the evening watching TV, watching the news, paging through Facebook, Updating my Twitter. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Spend those times with Christ. We're running a race. We need encouragement. We need the food of the word. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot run this race without it. We cannot. If there's sin in your life, get rid of it. Sin is going to stop you. Sin is going to trip you. Sin, sin is going to make... Sin is going to stop you from reaching the end. Get rid of it. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, get rid of it. If there's gossip, get rid of it. If there's relationship problems, get rid of it. If there's cultural problems, if there's a cultural thing in your life, get rid of it. It's going to stop you. It's going to trip you. When we make a call, come forward. Those things that weigh you down, come forward. The call is not that it's a huge announcing in front. The call is come forward. Show God that I'm standing up, that I'm moving, that I want to get rid of these things. That's the call. Come forward when we do those calls. Every one of us has got a weight on our shoulders. Everyone. I've got. I've got to give it to God every day. There's not one of you sitting here that hasn't got a weight putting, putting you down. 
If it's not relationship, it's finance. If it's not finance, it's someone that made you cross. If it's not that, it's your work. We've all got a weight that's weighting us down. Get rid of it. Come to God. Come put it down at the cross. Say to him, I cannot carry this. He says his weight is light. Our weight is heavy. Come bring it to him. Bring it to him. The third one is fixing your eyes on Jesus. I think it's verse 2. Looking, verse 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 3, for consider him who endured such hostility for sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. He's the example of how to run your race. The course that set before him was the cross. He ran that race because he knew it was the will of the Father. He did it so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. When he got weary, he was in prayer with God. He set himself aside and prayed. There were times when he was sweating blood. But he was on his knees getting food from the Father, getting encouragement from the Father, knowing what his race was, set. When he said, I'm going to Jerusalem, he knew it was the end, but he walked the road. He ran the race to Jerusalem. If you're weary, fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. Come to the front. When the call makes, come to the front. Beat that body. Beat this flesh that wants to keep you in your seat. Beat it. Sacrifice yourself. Come to the front. Your eyes fixed on Christ. Not fixed on an elder or someone standing here to pray for you. Fix your eyes on Christ. He ran his race. He ran it with joy. Because he knew he was fulfilling the will of the Father. And he knew, and he knew he was bringing sons and daughters to glory. That was his race. Isaiah 53, 11 says it's so beautiful. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. That knowledge is knowing him. We knowing him. I'm going to say it again. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge, by us knowing him. Shall the righteous one, my servant, Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. That was his race. That was his cause. To bring us to glory. Me and you. Endure the race. Will we one day hear, Well done, my faithful servant. 
will be hearing. The fourth one and the last one is, I'm going to go through this quickly. Run understanding the Father's purpose in our pain. It's from, it's, it's from verses 5 to verses 11. And it's all about discipline. It's all about the pain. You know, an athlete cannot run a race, cannot endure if he, if he himself hasn't gone through pain. There's a stage in your, in your race where you cannot go any further. It's as if your body just locks down. My body just locked down. But you've got to endure that pain to get through, to get to the end. I had to get back on my bicycle, cramping. I couldn't sit. My body was weak. But I knew the end is 20 kilometers from now. I will be able to rest. And God made sure that I cramped at the top of the pass. And I had a long, nice drown. But every time I sat on my saddle, my legs started cramping. And I had to stand. I had to fight the pain to get to the end. We are going to go through pain. We are going to go through pain. And when we get to those pains, when we get to the failure, the rejections, maybe if it, even the persecution, how am I going to go through it to endure and run? Remember God's word in verse 5 and 6. And have you forgotten the exhortation, it's the communication, the urging to, that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Whom he receives. Don't make, don't make, don't make the discipline too light. Don't just shrug it off. I'm a tough guy. Go to God. Ask God, ask God the reasons for it. Why? Is there sin in my life? Is this just, is this just in my life so that I go through this and for you preparing me for something bigger, something more? The next hurdle might be bigger. The next hurdle might be I need more power. I need more from you to go through. Because our life is a journey. Our life is a, is a growth in life. Our race, we don't start at 100 miles an hour and end at 100 miles an hour. We start at a certain pace because we've got to pace our race out. And the obstacles become smaller and bigger and smaller and bigger. And we've got to pace it out. Do not, lo do not lose heart to think you're worthless. God loves us. Remember God cares, verses 7 to 9. It is for discipline that you have to endure. It is for discipline that we have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what sons is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are legitimate children and sons. 
Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subjected to the Father, our spirit, and life? He treats us as sons. Discipline is not nice. Discipline is never nice. I remember my disciplines in life. There's not much time to tell about it, but discipline is not life. It's not nice. When we are disciplined by our earthly fathers, it might put such a thing on us that we carry it. It might be a weight that we carry right through our lives. Because our earthly fathers are not 100%. Our earthly fathers are just fathers. But they try to do the best. They try to do the best. I don't care if my earthly father, my, my, my dad smoked. And when I smoked, I got a hiding. Telling me it's not good. I'm destroying myself. And my sister split on me. That's why. <laughs> but I got a hiding. But he knew what was good for me. When our rooms were untidy, go and tidy up your room. And Owen can thank my dad for that. That my room is tidy. But it's never nice. It's never nice. It's never nice. But we've got to discipline our kids. We've got to discipline them. Our kids need to know. I don't... They, they need to know. Because when the discipline from the father comes one day... They're not going to recognize it. They're going to rebel against it. Our kids from small need discipline, guys. They need it. I don't care if you're wrong or if you're right. There were days when my dad was wrong with the, with the hiding. My mom. That smack that I just got. For nothing. It's for what you're going to do. But, but you know what? Today, I'm glad about it. Because they're the ones that teach us. They're the ones that, that lead us. And then I can take the discipline of the Father and know that His discipline is because He knows what lay, lies ahead of me. He knows me. He knows my heart. He knows my inner thoughts. So his discipline is for me because he loves me. And here are so many of us that are still under the weight of our fathers that are bogging us down. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what is it of my father or my mother that is, that is keeping me down, that is keeping me not to run this race in fullness? We do prayers for people. And the things that come out. It's our fathers and our mothers. But they did it in love. What they thought is love. We've got a father up in heaven that does it because he loves us. He wants to see us finish this race. He wants to see us endure this race. God's purpose. Remember God's purpose. 
Verse 10 and 11. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. He comes back to training and he starts again at verse 1. I haven't got much time now. In today's life, we've got challenges. We've got our hindrances. We've got our ups and our downs. We all need to run our own race with endurance, for that is the set before us. We need to run this race with remembering that before us, there were those that ran it, a cloud of witnesses enduring their obstacles, throwing off their baggages and sin, enduring the race in faith for the promise they did not receive. We endure looking into the eyes of the promise, looking into the eyes of the promise, Jesus Christ, throwing off our baggage and sin and running for the purpose that he has for us. Each one looking forward in faith to the promise of him coming again to fetch his bride, the church. Individually, we run in faith together as the bride for his joy that was set before him to endure the cross for us. Let us keep, keep on keeping. Ramon, are you still okay? Are you really okay? I want Ramon to sing a song over us. As a, was this a, yeah, yeah, the band also, okay. The band, the band, the team. This is a this is a song. I, th I think it's called what? Hmm? Fall afresh. You see, we cannot run this race. That's why I want him to sing it over us, and I want you to sit and listen to the words that he that he sings over us, because we cannot run this race without the Holy Spirit. And I want him to sing this the empowerment of the Holy Spirit over us. Because we each need to run this race. And if it's you that want to receive the Spirit to empower you, to run it with endurance for the purpose that sets before us, I just want you to open your hearts and your minds, open your hands, and let the words sink into your minds, sink deep into your hearts, and hold on to it. And hold on to it. And when you go out of here, think about it. Don't let, don't let this, this be stolen from you. Go back. Go back. And read through Hebrews 12, 1 to 11. 
and make it your home. And say, God, I want to run this race. I want to run it with endurance. I want to run it with the purpose that you have set before me. Awaken my soul. Come away. To hunger, to see, to thirst. Awaken, first love, come away. And do as you did at first. Awaken my soul, come away to hunger to see. To thirst, awaken first love, come away and do as you did at first. Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on us. Come wake me from my sleep and blow through the caverns of my soul. Pour in me to overflow, to overflow, to overflow. Spirit, come and fill this place. Let your glory now invade. Fill this place. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. I thank you. I thank you that we can stand on the promise that as we ask for the Spirit to fill us, that you fill us now. And that you will touch each mind and each heart. And Father, that you will awaken the race that we have, that we will run this race with endurance. Each one for the purpose that you have set before them for the joy that you have set before them, for the promise of an everlasting life. And together, Father, as a church, 
we run as the bride of Christ for your coming again. We're looking forward, Father. We're looking forward for the coming of Jesus. In Jesus' name I thank you. Amen.